0: It's an amazing feeling. You just like, you're pushing out new designs all the time and you see them being builds and then you test them and you design another one and you test it. <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing. And you talk to friends that go are like working um, uh, at bigger companies and stuff and they're, they're you're, like, and the, you're crazy, <laughs> you don't sleep or whatever, but <laughs> it's what we kind of love doing.
1: <laughs> Sam's friends all tell him he's crazy when he explains to them how much he gets done in a year. What's interesting about his story is he actually enjoys it. Because of the autonomy, the engagement, and most of all, the speed of innovation. At a certain point though, he took a break from working on vehicles. But he was just itching to get back. Here's his explanation.
0: I just love um, uh, working on vehicles, and like electric vehicles in general. Um, but it was more the whole atmosphere around the project. So it's like working versus a big company where stuff's a lot more procedural and you're going to kind of not know the overall concept of things. You'll be assigned a pretty specific task, especially in engineering, versus what was cool about working on the teams. You're pretty small, but everyone knows pretty much what's going on in all the different systems. So I missed that. And then I really missed as well just like the crazy fast, like pace innovation. It's kind of ridiculous when you think of it. Like you design like a thousand different parts, and they're like some pretty big parts, some pretty complicated parts with like a lot of power. You have like eighty kilowatts of power going through these systems, and you do all that in a few months, which is something you'll never you'll never find outside like that or a startup, <laughs> right? So. That's what I'm kind of got, like, we all kind of got addicted to that. And then doing anything else would seem, like, really tedious.
1: (laughs) This is Made at McGill, a collection of origin stories from the makers of tomorrow, aka entrepreneurs and innovators at McGill University. You'll learn about how they got started, their ups and downs along the way, and what they learned. If you want to dive into the lore of McGill startups, keep listening. This show is brought to you by the McGill-Dobson Center for Entrepreneurship. Our mission is to find, teach, and develop world-class entrepreneurs. To find out more, visit mcgill.ca dobson. I'm your host, Mo O'Keefe, and on today's show, McGill engineering alum Sam Bruno shares his story about Tyga Motors, which is the company he made at McGill. They're building and commercializing the world's first electric snowmobile and in 2016 they won first place in the mcgill dobson cup the story begins at the engineering department with three makers who just loved working together
0: so uh, all three of the co-founders we met at mcgill university and we studied engineering uh, we all started pretty much at the same time uh, but we all joined for like pretty different reasons i was just really into uh, sustainable technology. I like in foresaw going to solar or something or like when when I joined electrical, that's what I wanted to do. And then uh, Gab just loves like kind of like hacking like tech, you know, he like builds three printers before and like makes little robots and stuff. And then Paul just kind of like classic mechanical engineer owns a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> just you know, like loves vehicles. <laughs> uh, but what, what ended up happening is we all joined these design teams. At McGill, Um, I don't know if you ever saw, like, there's, like, race cars in the McConnell lobby and stuff. Yeah. So we worked on those. And, in fact, like, we started the the club that would build an electric race car. That was, like, the first, uh, like, year of the series of Formula SAE electric. So we went into there, and we all ended up working on that that project together. We kind of met on that team. Uh, We, like, all really fell in love with the project. And then, like, that deviated my, I just wanted to work on vehicles, (laughs) like, electric vehicles after doing that. It's like super fun, fast-paced development, like super cutting edge. And then we ended up doing really well. Like we won some competitions and stuff that gave us a bit of recognition, uh, especially for the electric snowmobile. So then we kind of like, as we're graduating, um, uh, we saw that there was an opportunity with the tech we developed. Um, So... We like contacted a bunch of ski hills and stuff, and different people. Like, would would you buy this if we made one? And it was just a resounding yes. Everyone would totally buy it <laughs> with the specs we were saying we could achieve. It's like, okay, we got we got something going here. Um, so then, basically, we just had to like convince ourselves that we should launch into entrepreneurship. <laughs> mm. All our parents were like, no, <laughs> you should because like, we had job offers from like Tesla and everything. Uh, through like these competitions, they kind of try and recruit you. So then your parents are like, no, go work for the <laughs> car companies or whatever, it's much safer. Uh, but then once we like, kind of made the decision, it, it was like super great, we, we never looked back. And we kind of like formulated Tiger's mission in the first kind of few months. Because uh, we didn't have any business plan initially we just started knowing we could do something cool with the technology. Uh, we didn't know exactly what we wanted to do with it. Um, so then it became kind of obvious that like our mission should be to do what kind of Tesla did for cars, but for the power sports industry, um, like snowmobiles, and then later, hopefully, you know, other, other vehicles like off-road vehicles and
1: watercraft and everything. But why electric snowmobiles in the first place? Well, there's the green factor.
0: Snowmobiles are in fact extremely polluting. Like, it's not so well known because people often think that snowmobiles are transitioning away from two-stroke motors, which are terrible, to four-stroke. But it's like kind of industry, like, secret. They don't talk about it that a majority of sales are still two-strokes because they're cheaper to produce and they have more power. Um, uh, so they have, like, certain emission standards they have to meet. Um, but the more two strokes they can sell, the more money they can make. And in fact, one, two stroke pollutes about as much as a hundred cars on on like an equivalent basis per kilometer. No, it's crazy. Like, uh, in the two thousands when it was just all two strokes, now it's a bit less, but back then basically it was like, there's only like a few hundred thousand snowmobiles and millions of cars and the snowmobiles have like almost an equivalent impact (laughs) environmentally uh, on these like oxide emissions.
1: In a minute, Sam's going to share the most compelling reason for snowmobile riders to go electric. But first, let's go to a commercial break. This one's about the Dobson Center's free resources for entrepreneurs. If you already know about them, skip ahead exactly 60 seconds. If not, stay on the line. Pausing episode, playing commercial. I've noticed there are two characters when it comes to McGill Entrepreneurs, and I want to use this break to talk about the first one, Contemplative Connor. These are the people who are interested in entrepreneurship, but haven't fully dived in yet. If that sounds like you, we can help. The McGill-Dobson Center has packaged a toolkit of useful resources to inspire you, teach you, and help you meet other entrepreneurs, and everything is either on campus or in the cloud. First, our blog featuring lessons learned from startup events and successful McGill entrepreneurs at dobsonchronicles.com. Second, our weekly events, which are free and open to the public. You can get our full calendar at dobsonchronicles.com slash events. And finally, McGill-Dobson Match. Whether you're recruiting for your startup or you're looking to join one, sign up at mcgilldobsonmatch.com to get started. At the next break, I'll talk to you about the second character, Committed Carol. Now, back to the show. Commercial complete. Resuming episode. So one compelling reason to ride an electric snowmobile is that they're better for the environment. Okay, but if we're being honest with ourselves about what the market is demanding, the strongest reason for electric snowmobiles is they're actually more fun to ride.
0: They're kind of ideally suited for being electric. Um, They go like shorter distances in cars, and then it's all about the fun, like performance factor, which is what electric is just great at, right? You get that super fast acceleration and then as well is, um, uh, we all do a lot of outdoor sports.
1: So at this point in the podcast, you figure Sam's about to describe his long history of snowmobiling to us, right? You figure this group of guys who wants to build and commercialize the world's first electric snowmobile knew a lot about snowmobiles and rode them all the time, right? Like that's not a crazy assumption to make. Well, here's the thing.
0: It's ironic that we started a snowmobile company because none of us really drove snowmobiles before. <laughs> like, basically all three of us, our first time driving a snowmobile was an electric snowmobile. And we're like, whoa, this is awesome. Snowmobiling so great. And then we went and drove, like, combustion ones that tried them out. <laughs> and it, it, like, the experience kind of just sucks. <laughs> oh, why um, was Because that- um, you're right, you're outside and nature is, like peaceful it's winter right everything's super calm and then number one is just ridiculously loud and then it smells terrible if you go in a group of people just like snowmobile fumes which are like much more polluting than cars uh at the end of the day you just end up smelling like exhaust like all your clothes you have to wash them so that's like an experience where you know you're out in nature and you're just having fun zipping around but it's really diminished by like the noise and the exhaust fumes like, okay, <laughs> everyone should just try out the electric snowmobile because it's it's just so much greater. And that's been kind of the feedback we've gotten. You get a lot of people thinking, people have ridden snowmobiles for like 30 years, right? They'll mm-hmm. say, I don't know, electric, right? It's going to be slow. Like, it won't be as fun. <laughs> and then they ride it and it's faster and it doesn't have the noise or the smell. And they're just like, whoa, this is, this is the best snowmobile I've ever ridden. <laughs> so that was kind of our mission statement was to just, have everyone be able to buy an affordable, like, performant electric snowmobile. So, if you come in and like you want to make a decision to the what snowmobile to get, like, it should be an obvious choice. You should be able to buy an electric one. <laughs> How affordable? So, we want to come in at the same price, like, price range as a normal snowmobile. So, prices the snowmobiles go from ten to like sixteen thousand right now, and our target price like fifteen before any kind of incentives or, or whatever. So, really kind of in the average price range of a snowmobile.
1: When you embark on a massive project that can fail at any point along the way, you need feedback, and you need it early. If you're a student or a recent grad, McGill is not a bad place to start collecting some of that feedback.
0: Yeah, first, like, super valuable feedback was actually from the Dobson Center. So I'd, like, kind of done some, uh, like, software type thing that started as a class project and we just decided hmm. to put in Dobson Cup like two years before. Um, uh, didn't really get that far but I knew the Dobson Center existed. So when we kind of came up with the idea it was actually just me and Gab at that point. It was just like, the first week really like, okay, we're going to do this and we set up a meeting with the Dobson Center and we're like, oh, like who can you? <laughs> like how can, how can you guys help us out? Like we need to make a business plan. Like what, what should we do? <laughs> And, and then they really kind of like set us down the path of where, like, a hun now actually, they asked some really good questions to them and then kind of gave us the guidelines to what a business plan should look like for the Dobson Cup. And so we started working on that and they actually introduced us to like Tim Tekarski, which became our first investor uh, oh. later on. Like, so we met him, yeah, like a week after launching like the idea (laughs) and then he gave us some really good feedback as well from his like startup experience and then he loves electric kind cars as well
1: do you remember anything he said that really stood out to you yeah he, he said
0: like uh one just like go as lean like as lean as possible right like build that mvp with the minimum amount of resources you can and then just like demo it
1: definition of mvp minimum viable product this is
0: a product with just enough features to satisfy early customers and to provide feedback for future product development. Which is pretty much like our business plan, <laughs> What it wasn't Like, you know, just we build a snow with the least resources possible and then just show the world that it can achieve what we say it can.
1: But for a capital intensive process like building an entire vehicle, you need to raise a lot of money. And that's really, really hard.
0: So then we kind of went looking for funding, (laughs) and we were, like, so optimistic about it's going to take, like, a month, (laughs) we're going to get money, Uh, did not, (laughs) because you have, like, three young engineers, they're like, we're going to build a snowmobile, like, from scratch, change the industry.
1: Here's what investors had to say about that. I not want to touch that.
0: Like, it's a, it's a capital-intensive thing, right, to develop a vehicle, especially with people with kind of a – we have a, somewhat of a track record from our time on doing good with the student vehicles, but we don't have, like, an industry track record. Uh, so that's when we kind of saw it. It was going to be hard to raise money. But we did make good partnerships at the same time there. We, we learned about all the government funding options uh, they were available we met all the different kind of branches there and like how we could use them in the future the way government funding works right is for degree tech is you need a private investment and then they'll support you after with with some funds on, like R&D and stuff but you, you still need that private investment first and we kind of used that um uh to, like, leverage well, Tim as well. as like, listen, if you give us a bit of money, then the government can give us a bit of money, and they're
1: going to have enough money
0: <laughs> to build the first prototype.
1: And that's exactly what they did. Up until now, their story seems like a clear upward trajectory. But internally, they were struggling with an important question.
0: At the beginning, beginning that was the first kind of big question we had from both, like, even the Dobson or, like, Tim's like, oh, should you just, you know build a powertrain and then license it to someone else, right? Cause you could probably do that. Or should you build the, the whole like snowmobile? Uh, and it was a bit of a philosophical thing as well as a business plan. Like one, we really like working on like overall vehicles, right? We don't think we could have like been as passionate about just building one piece of it and then not actually, you know, like driving around and doing the whole like optimal design. And then the other big question was, um, uh, it came down to, like, can we do it technically? <laughs> uh, building a whole vehicle is a pretty big challenge. Um, but then we saw from our from our background and, like, the people we could hire that, yeah, it would be possible to build a vehicle. And, in fact, it would be much better for marketing because you get to control your, like, brand identity where you can build a lot of good media around, you know, launching a full product. People get excited about you, know, you got you see a cool new concept vehicle, and you get to drive it, and and then you can associate that with Taiga versus just building a product. Then you're totally at the mercy of whoever's going to buy, going to buy that product.
1: This was a hard decision for them, but once they made it, they were able to move on to the original plan, test prototypes, and demo it to the right people. That means people like Parks Canada, a bunch of ski hills around the country, and professional snowmobile riders. They were just trying to get some feedback on the business, but also the engineering side, and most importantly, creating a great experience for riders. In a minute, Sam's going to share how he's been dealing with the intimidating prospect of scaling his startup, and what that involves. But first, let's go to our final commercial break. This one's about the Dobson Center's Programs for Entrepreneurs. If you already know about them, skip ahead exactly 60 seconds. If not, stay on the line. Pausing episode. Playing commercial. Back to my very unscientific observations. Let's talk about the second character, Committed Carol. She's ready to move her business forward fast. If this sounds like you, the McGill-Dobson Center offers a different package. Three dedicated and selective programs to help you build your startup. That's one each semester. First, the McGill Lean Startup Program is our part-time fall incubator for early-stage startups. Second, the McGill Dobson Cup is our winter startup competition, offering over $100,000 in prize money as well as exclusive access to world-class mentors. And finally, the McGill X1 Accelerator is our full-time summer accelerator for later-stage startups to get you investment-ready and fly you to demo days all over the continent. To apply for these programs, visit mcgill.ca slash Dobson or email us at entrepreneurship at mcgilldobson.com. Now, back to the show. Commercial complete. Resuming episode. So just to recap, Sam decided to build out the whole vehicle instead of just the engine. And then it was time to scale. Definition of scaling. The process of growing your startup exponentially in terms of who you can reach in your revenue. This phase comes after you have validated the core hypotheses of how your startup will make money.
0: Yeah, it's quite intimidating initially because you go from being three great friends that are working on a startup on a project that's similar to what you've worked on before to now being uh, like a company, so very much a startup, but you have other people working with you. Um, so it's been, it's been a gr- good learning process. Um, uh, we kind of knew it was coming initially, and we did a lot of reading into, uh, you know, like, what the best way is to manage the employees and build a good company culture. because That's super important to us. And we're just trying to like do that now with the employees. And what's cool is like they all know we're kind of all doing this for the first time. And a lot of them also are first time working on startups. So we have like really good communication channels. Like what can we do better? How can we going to do this? And we're uh, like the like lean methodology style. We're always kind of changing the way we do things um, uh, to be able to work better together.
1: And yet, all the hard work is worth it because the work involved in building a startup tends to be intrinsically motivating. It's fun to make things with your friends. So, why should you start a startup? Once again, it's an amazing
0: feeling. You just like. You're pushing out new designs all the time, and you see them being builds, and then you test them, and you design another one, and you test it. <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing. And you talk to friends that go are like working um, uh, at bigger companies and stuff, and they're, they're like, and the, you're crazy. <laughs> you don't sleep or whatever, but is <laughs> what we kind of love doing.
1: <laughs> Once again... I hope you enjoyed that story. If you want easier access to upcoming episodes of Made It, McGill, I recommend you subscribe to this podcast on whatever app you use. Also, do you have a wantrepreneur in your life? Maybe your Uncle Bill, who's always talking about his grand business ideas. Consider this. Find one episode in this podcast that you think could give them a slight push, the little nudge that they need to begin their journey as a maker, and have them listen to that episode. And if Uncle Bill ends up turning into the next Bill Gates, who changes the world and along the way becomes a genius billionaire philanthropist, hey, you can take all the credit. Thanks for listening.